0: Broadcasting from the center of Oddity and the Supernatural in Central Florida. It's the History Goes Bump podcast.:
1: Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 425th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we're going to be doing a location in Indianapolis, Indiana, the Hannah House. And this was actually suggested by two of our listeners. That's how popular it is. Ed Jones and Sarah Silver. Awesome. Looking forward to it. But before we get into that, we want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Jennifer, Lauren, Carrie, who spells her name K-E-R-R-Y, Michelle with one L, Donna, and Nikki with two K's and an I. Thank you for joining us in our spectacular crew. And now this moment in Oddity.
0: The moment in Oddity was suggested by John Michaels. In one of the vaults at the British Museum, one can find the oldest drawing of a ghost. The curator of the Middle Eastern Department at the museum and a world authority on cuneiform, Dr. Irving Finkel said that the artifact had been overlooked until now. Part of the problem is that it's never been on display. And the other reason is that it needed to be viewed in the proper lighting. Under the right lighting, a faint outline of a figure appears on the Babylonian cuneiform tablet. Dr. Finkel thinks the tablet has been misinterpreted since being acquired by the museum in the 19th century. He describes the carving as showing a male ghost and he's miserable. You can imagine a tall, thin, bearded ghost hanging about the house did get on people's nerves. The final analysis was that this ghost needed a lover. You can't help but imagine what happened before. Oh God, Uncle Henry's back. Maybe Uncle Henry's lost three wives. Something that everybody knew was that the way to get rid of the old bugger was to marry him off. It's not fanciful to read this into it. It's kind of an explicit message. There's very high-quality writing there and immaculate draughtsmanship. That somebody thinks they can get rid of a ghost by giving them a bedfellow is quite comic. The tablet was created about 3,500 years ago and is believed to have been part of a library of magic. The palm-sized tablet also contains directions on the back for exercising an unwanted ghost. And that certainly is odd. Grab your slippers, hot chocolate, flashlight, and maybe
1: even that baseball bat.
0: And now, this month in history.
1: In the month of March, on the 23rd in 1839 okay enters the national vernacular. Apparently, the young people of the late 1830s liked to misspell words on purpose and then abbreviate them, which doesn't seem much different than today. For example, no use would be spelled K-N-O-W-Y-U-S-E and then abbreviated to K-Y. No go was similar being spelled K-N-O-W-G-O and abbreviated to K-G. All correct became O-L-L K O R R E C T, and was abbreviated to OK. On that day in March, OK made it into the limelight when it was printed in the Boston Morning Post as part of a joke. It gained even more popularity when it became part of Martin Van Buren's re election campaign. People called him Old Kinderhook because that was the name of his hometown in New York. He had a group of thugs helping to convince people to re elect him, and the group was called the OK Club for both Van Buren's nickname and the now popular term OK. American linguist Alan Walker-Reed was the man to figure out where OK originated, and now you know.
0: The Hannah House in Indianapolis, Indiana, was the family home of Alexander Hanna, This home was meant to be a place of refuge for runaway slaves along the Underground Railroad. Tragedy struck when a lantern that a group of the formerly enslaved people were using tipped over. A fire erupted and they were trapped in their hiding place and none survived. Their bodies were more than likely buried on the property. This event has led to hauntings in what is now a museum. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of the Hannah House.
1: The Hanna House is located in Indianapolis, Indiana, at 3801 Madison Avenue in Marion County. The county had originally been home to the Lenape tribe. Marion County was organized in 1822 and named in honor of American Revolutionary General Francis Marion. Alexander Ralston had assisted in laying out Washington, D.C., and he assisted laying out Indianapolis, which is why it has a circular common in the center of town that is known today as Monument Circle. Indianapolis became a major stopping point in the 1830s and the capital of Indiana. The city eventually became a major manufacturer of automobiles, and this connection to vehicles continues today with the Brickyard 400 and Indy 500. Alexander Hanna was
0: the man who had the Hanna House built. He was born in the southern part of Indiana in Wayne County in 1821. He learned the trade of harness making. But when the California gold rush started, he decided to find his fortune. Hannah did manage to find some gold and bought a ranch while he was in California. When the rush died down, he chose to return to Indiana and decided to live in Indianapolis, where he worked for the Indiana Central Railroad. His father Samuel was president of the company and owned hundreds of acres in the area. Hanna eventually bought 240 acres for himself, just south of Indianapolis.
1: He decided to build his mansion on that land in 1858. The Hannah house was built in the Italianate architectural design with elements of Greek revival. The exterior was constructed from red brick. The house was two and a half stories tall with a smaller two-story wing connected to the main block house. The roof was a low-hip style with wide eaves and had four chimneys. The central doorway is pretty plain with a rectangular transom, so this element is clearly Greek Revival. The windows were tall and thin and had shutters. And they still have those shutters today. Very cool. The second floor had taller windows that opened onto an uncovered balcony that no longer exists. Kelly, have you ever been in one of these houses? I I don't know if we've been in one together where the windows go all the way down to the ground and they open up almost like a sliding glass door.
0: We have. I do remember that. I'm trying to remember if it was the General Dodge house. I think maybe Jessica and Arena were with us, but I might be wrong on that.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that I've been to the Sorrel Weed House in Savannah and that one definitely is set up that way.
0: I do remember that I've seen that with you, but I just Can't recall for certain which
1: location it was. These are set up like they're actual windows. You have to step a little bit over the lip, but it was kind of their way of having a door without having a door.
0: (laughs) Right. I remember the one that when I saw it with you, there was a sunroom outside of those. And so you could walk through. You did indeed have to step over, but you could walk through into the sunroom area.
1: The original porch no longer exists either, but there had been porches on the north and south facades. The
0: interior featured 24 rooms with a wide central hall floored with poplar, laid in 8-inch boards at the entrance of the house. There were two formal rooms on either side of the hallway with fireplaces. One was a double parlor and the other was a sitting room and dining room. The connected wing had the kitchen and a pantry. The kitchen had its own fireplace, which is the largest in the house. The kitchen also had a cool secret passage that is concealed in a dining room cupboard that passes from the pantry to the dining room. Ooh, it's kind of like the
1: game of Clue. (laughs) I love it. You pass from one passageway into the other room.
0: The doors and windows were decorated with acanthus forms, which are like ornamental foliage. There was a main staircase that led up to the second floor with four bedrooms and
1: a sitting room. Three of the bedrooms had fireplaces. When I read that this had a connecting wing, it made me think of the Dog Trot. Sure. So a few episodes ago, we had Dog Trot come up in one of our main episodes. Then I did a bonus episode that it came up in. I've been watching a lot of the HGTV shows in the past couple of days just because it's it's not the news. (laughs) I think this was the show Hometown, and so they try to refurbish a lot of old houses in that town. And the house they showed him, they said, this is a dog trot house. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, I've never heard that term before. and Now it's come up three times in like a month and a half. Synchronicity. Hannah came up with another line of revenue after buying his land. The first toll road to be built in Marion County crossed his land. This was the Indianapolis Southport Toll Road that stretched from Indianapolis to Madison. That street still reflects his history in its name, Hannah Avenue. Alexander collected tolls from people who use this section of road. Can we make the little section outside of our house into a toll road? (laughs) Works for me. Everybody drives that to get to the school so we'd make some buck. Yes we would. He also got into farming and raising livestock. The property grew hay, wheat, corn, and oats. Cattle, sheep, and pigs were raised on the land too. He was thought to be like ahead of his time with the way that he did his farming and such. He had a lot of different techniques that were not used by typical farmers at the time. Hannah also served the Indianapolis South Side as postmaster, sheriff, circuit court clerk, and a member of the Indiana General Assembly. Basically, he did everything in this town. Sounds that way. Alexander married late in
0: life. He was 51 when he married Elizabeth Jackson in 1872. She had been born in 1835 and was 37 years old. The couple had wanted children. There are claims that Elizabeth did become pregnant, but that she either miscarried or the baby was stillborn. There are no records for either of these, but there is a small unmarked gravestone at the family burial, which seems to indicate an infant burial. The couple added onto the property with a service building that included a summer kitchen, smokehouse, wash house, milk cooling room, and servants' quarters. The couple were very active in civil events, especially since Alexander had his fingers in many political arenas. They loved to entertain and often opened up the parlors to celebrate. But the
1: couple had a secret that would have brought ruin to their social lives. They were staunch abolitionists, and their property was located in such a place that it worked well for the Underground Railroad. There were acres and acres of wooded area and not many people living in close proximity. Our research claimed that Alexander was a conductor. Everywhere I looked, Kelly, it said conductor. But that term doesn't seem to be accurate. I don't know if people know there was a particular language that went with the Underground Railroad. Conductors were people like Harriet Tubman, who actually guided people personally along the tracks, which was the term for the routes. Station masters hid escaped slaves in their homes, which were referred to as stations. And that's what the Hannes did. So all the research, all that stuff out there about them that says that, you know, he was a conductor on the Underground Railroad. He was a station master on the Underground Railroad. It could be just as dangerous as being a conductor, but I would think being a conductor is much more dangerous because you're actually physically trying to transport them somewhere. They hid these enslaved people in their cellar, which had lots of room. The cellar obviously would have been
0: chilly and dark, and oil lamps would have been supplied to the fugitives. A devastating story connected to the mansion claims that one of these lamps got knocked over and the cellar quickly set ablaze. The fugitives were unable to get out as the room filled with smoke and flames. They were all killed. The Hannas clearly would have been very upset about this development. They would have wanted to give these people a Christian burial, but doing anything public would reveal their secret and they both could have been jailed. They also needed this station along the railroad the house servants decided to bury the bodies in the floor of the cellar. We have no proof of this story, but it certainly was something that would have been kept tight-lipped within the house and family. And a partially collapsed tunnel leading towards the Hannah property seems to lend credence to the home being a station.
1: Yeah, so this story might be a legend that's been connected to the house over the years, but everybody tells it. And because there is that tunnel that they found, they think that kind of offers some proof. Now, I'm assuming that through a lot of the paranormal investigation that's gone on here, that's how they maybe have verified that there were some enslaved people that were killed here? Sure. Elizabeth died in 1888 at the age of 53. Alexander did not remarry, and he died in 1895 at the age of 73 and joined Elizabeth at Crown Hill Cemetery, which I have also heard is haunted. His monument is a large obelisk. The house sat abandoned for four years and then a German immigrant named Roman Oehler, I think it's O-E-H-L-E-R, bought the house in 21 acres in 1899. So you could see they've been selling off the land before this because it went from 200 and something acres to 21 that he bought. He owned a jewelry business in Indianapolis. He built some outbuildings for the property and put a new porch on the mansion. The house stayed in the family with his daughter Romina Oler Elder being the last. She was in the house until 1962, but the house stayed in the family for another six years, although it was vacant. From 1968 to 1978, a couple by the name of O'Brien lived in part of the house and ran an antique shop out of the rest of it. The house was placed on the Register of Historic Places in 1978. In 1980, the house was used to host a haunted house-themed fundraiser, which seems fitting since the house is reputed to be haunted. It was a museum for a while and then a private home again. And now today it's a museum, once again, that offers tours and hosts weddings. And I just want to point out, Kelly, sometimes when you're doing this research, you get all this different information. I kept seeing that it was abandoned for like 30 years or something. Right. And when I was trying to piece together like who lived where, when and everything, I'm like, there is no 30 year period in here where this house was just sitting abandoned with nobody living in it. So I don't know why that information's out there, but I don't think that's true.
0: Alexander and his wife, Elizabeth, have been seen in the house, and there are even claims that there is a foul smell that is connected to the stillborn baby. We're not sure why that would have been the case since there is a grave for the baby, so it wasn't holed up in the house somewhere. And with the story of burying the fire victims in the cellar, we would think that any smell of decay would be linked to that event. The house even has the nickname, The House That Reeks of Death. Lovely. Elizabeth wears a variety of clothing. Sometimes she's seen wearing a black dress and other times a peach dress. She likes to peek out of an upstairs window. Alexander once told a guest to go back downstairs and mind their own business.
1: (laughs) It's still his house, darn it.
0: I think that's the first time I've ever heard of a spirit wearing a peach-colored
1: dress. Yeah, it's I pretty never unique. have. And I was going to point out the fact that she's wearing a black dress, too, would also seem to indicate that they lost a child. Right, the morning. Yeah. There are claims of cold spots, disembodied voices, flying utensils, electrical equipment going haywire, pictures flying off walls, doors opening and closing on their own, and strange noises. The staircase leading to the second floor has carpet, but that doesn't stop people from hearing the sound of footsteps of varying loudness moving up and down the stairs. And this isn't the first time I've heard this, Kelly, even with carpeted floors in a house. I've heard people say it sounds like somebody walking on a wood floor, which seems to me that that indicates it's something that's residual. Sure. Rustling clothing is also heard on the stairs. The house has been investigated by many paranormal investigators, and the mansion embraces this by offering ghost hunts it's pretty reasonable. it costs five hundred dollars for up to 10 people and then I can't remember how much it was for each additional person but most places that I've looked into starts at like a thousand dollars for a group of 10 people
0: yeah much more reasonable let's get our spectacular crew investigation group back
1: together again <laughs> and I know we have a lot of listeners who live in Indianapolis so maybe we'll have to find a reason to go to Indiana here News crews have come through as have psychics They have all reported unexplained occurrences in the house. The ghosts of the formerly enslaved people have been seen as well. Their wailing and moaning has been heard in the cellar, and whispers have also been heard. Bad smells aren't the only phantom scents. The scent of roses and lavender has been detected, as has the scent of burning wood. A woman named Agatha claimed to see a spirit looking out of a window when she drove by
0: one day. A woman named Tiara attended a ghost hunt, and they captured a recording of a child saying, Save me, save me, up in the attic.
1: Yeah, it's really weird that they caught that up in the attic because, I mean, the enslaved people would have been down in the cellar. So I don't know if it was just something that transferred up there or we got something else going on here.
0: This is said to be the ghost of a boy named Tommy. Richard said, I went on a tour of this house many years ago in the summer, hot as the devil. I was with my wife and daughter and was getting ready to descend the steps from the attic. I decided to venture around while they went down the steps. It is then that the temperature in that steaming hot attic turned into a refrigerator. And the most horrible smell I've ever encountered filled the attic. I never moved so fast in my life getting out of that house. My wife and daughter said I looked like all the blood left my face. They said I was white as a ghost. Needless to say, I will never venture back into the Hannah house. I won't even look in that direction when I drive by it. God is my witness that that house is definitely haunted. They say a ghost can't hurt you, but a ghost can definitely make you hurt yourself. (laughs) I've
1: never heard that (laughs) put that way before, but that's great. (laughs) And they can make you hurt yourself. Yeah, don't be toppling down the stairs. Uh, I don't know. I might have done the same thing if all of a sudden it got ice cold. And I know you've probably smelled roadkill or whatever on the side (laughs) of the road. There's nothing worse than that smell of decay.
0: Kind of the story kind of reminds me of being at the squirrel cage jail because it was hot as heck there. I would have welcomed a spirit making it refrigerator cold around me.
1: (laughs) I know we should have said since you guys are here, can you kind of cool down the place? Callie said we went one year when it was a haunted house. It was like five of us and we started in what I think was the attic and worked our way down. At one point we heard someone say Keisha, Keisha. We were spooked because we're like, who's saying my friend's name? We never told anyone her name. I was pretty much running at this point, trying to get the hell out of there. I didn't care who I ran over. I've never been to another haunted house since that day. Then again, a ghost can definitely make you hurt yourself. A review in 2019 said, I
0: attended a tour and haunted house at this location years ago. While in one of the upstairs rooms on the tour, I was touched by what felt like a child running past and bumping into me. In the basement, I was grabbed on the forearm by an unseen hand. There is definite activity
1: here. A review in April 2020 of the house claimed I visited the Hannah house with my family back in the late 60s when I was maybe six years old. It must have been an open house because there were many people there touring the house. It was a sunny day as I recall. Two things I remember. I have a memory of a rocking chair on the porch rocking itself. The second is that I was in a line of people going down the stairs into the basement and I remember becoming hysterical with fright even though I was surrounded by adults. I had to be taken out of line and calmed down. I never set foot in that house again until about five years ago when the Hannah House hosted the Indiana Paranormal meet-and-greet. I toured the house and finally made it into that scary basement but had no experiences. I did find out that the rocking chair is one of the reported phenomenon at the house, so that was a real memory. I will say that as a historical house, it's worth taking a tour. Daywalker's Paranormal Investigations investigated
0: the mansion in June of 2012. They captured several EVP. There was a female saying, you're welcome, and a male voice that said, want help. Diane also thought one sounded like a child saying, come on. And there was one that sounded like, I don't like her. One group was at the house when they heard a crashing in the cellar. There were old canning jars that stood along a wall down there, and they thought it sounded like those had gone crashing. But when they got to the cellar, they found nothing amiss.
1: A TV crew came through the haunted house hosted by the JCs in 1981. The cameraman commented that it would be creepy if the chandelier started swinging in the room he was filming and the chandelier suddenly started swinging in a six inch arc. Oh my goodness. They could find no reason for the light to be doing that. Later, they caught a picture falling off the wall. The nail was still in the wall and pointing upward. The string on the back of the picture was intact. The only way for the picture to fall would be if something lifted it up off the nail, which reminds me of our listener. And actually, was it Ed? Who suggested this that might have had the same experience where the picture came With up his off? Uncle, yeah. When he was in the service? I was, have so much stuff in my brain, I, I can't remember, but it I'm might not be. certain. I think it might be. But yeah, the picture came up off the wall, exact same thing. In the 1970s, an older couple lived in the house and sold antiques out of it, the O'Brien's. A man named Dan went shopping there once and shared the following experience. The old couple who lived there sold antiques, more like accumulated house stuff. Oh my goodness, that's kind of rude. I know, he put (laughs) antiques in quotation marks. They let me roam all over the house looking for used furniture and usable things. Went up to the attic. The roof had caved in and there were piles of furniture all weather ruined. There was an old woman up there who asked what I was doing there. Looking for a bookcase, I said. Well, it ain't here, she said. I went downstairs, having found one in a bedroom and commented about another customer in the attic. The missus laughed and explained that she was not a customer and thought that she still owned the house and did not like anyone upstairs. She was a house spirit and harmless. You can just imagine. Oh, don't <laughs> worry about her. She's just a ghost that lives up in the attic and thinks she still owns this place. Well, it ain't here. Get out. Yeah, you know. <laughs> get it off my get lawn. <laughs> get a footcase out of here. The missus saw her sometimes and asked that I not go to the attic as the floor may not be safe from the weather coming in. So apparently they're just like, Hey, roam the house. Oh, but don't go up there. And why would they not repair the attic? It's just, I would feel (laughs) weird walking through a house unless, you know, it's an estate sale or something, just walking through a house going, okay, well, is this for sale? Is that for sale? (laughs) Definitely a house ghost who had loved her life there and had not moved on. The old couple were used to the spirits there.
0: I need a house ghost. There definitely was a supervisor spirit while the O'Briens lived in the house. They hired a painter and he eventually left the job. But who could blame him once you hear what he went through? Doors would swing open as he walked by, and pictures would slide on the wall when he passed as well. He heard an audible voice say, You will not paint my house. (laughs) And do a good job painting my house.
1: I guess they gave up and said, okay, he's going to paint it. Well, you better do a good job.
0: (laughs) The final straw for him was when a spoon flew across the room at him. Mrs. O'Brien's son volunteered to finish the paint job. From his first night working, he could feel that someone was watching him, and that unnerving feeling continued until he finished. Something else weird happened while he worked. On the second night, he brought his family with him, which included his wife and two daughters. Three of them worked on painting while the littlest girl played on the stairs. They heard her talking to someone, and so Mrs. O'Brien's son went out to see who she was talking to. He saw no one, but she claimed to be able to see an elderly man. They all watched as she continued to carry on a conversation until she said the man went back upstairs.
1: Mrs. O'Brien once looked up at the second floor and saw a man standing there in a black suit, and she watched as he walked across the upstairs hallway. She thought maybe he was a customer, so she went up to help him, but when she got up there, she could find him nowhere. Mr. O'Brien saw something similar. He saw a transparent man dressed in a period black suit standing at the top of the stairs on the second floor. He faded away slowly.
0: The Hannah House sounds like an interesting place to investigate.
1: Is it haunted? That That is is for you you to to decide. decide. All right, Kelly, like I said, we got another reason to go up to Indiana. I have flown into Indianapolis before, and then I drove in a car to Louisville. Ah, very cool. Well, we need to head there again. Yes. We'd love to have you guys check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com or on any of our social media. We heard from Anita and we did Loftus Hall in episode 181. And last year they drove by it on their way to Hookhead Lighthouse in County Wexford. She said it's very impressive, but also very creepy looking. The owners have decided to sell some of the furniture She said she wouldn't be interested in purchasing anything. She'd be afraid something would be attached to it. (laughs) And then um, she sent me a newspaper article and some pictures. So I will put those pictures up on Instagram so you guys can see. And then Kelsey sent me a message on Instagram about the Baker Mansion. She said it was a very short experience that she had there. But back when she was a freshman in college in 2010, my friend's roommate was from Altoona. Spring break, me, my friend from high school, who was her roommate and another friend of ours, went home for the first weekend with her. She was all into ghost hunting, so that's what we ended up doing the first night. This was also before my higher interest in the paranormal, so I was terrified the entire night. Our time at Baker Mansion didn't last long since it was after 12 a.m. Our roommate had told us stories about how when she would step onto the ground, she felt like a female voice would yell at her to get off. There, there we go, get off my Another lawn, get off my lawn. So her our friend and I were back on the road when a local friend of hers and our other friend made their way up to one of the doors. They knocked on it and turned to start walking back. After about two steps, they start running back. We thought our friend scared her for laughs because that's the kind of joke story was, only to then find out they started running because they heard a knock respond back. I don't think we hung around long after that. <laughs> yeah, you got to love it if you go up to the door and you're like, knock knock. Ha 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 ha. And then all of a sudden it's like bang bang. <laughs> I could see why they were like, ah. I think I'd just be more curious. <laughs> well, what's funny again. is clearly they were starting to already walk back when it banged on it because they were like walking back. And then also they're like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, Kelsey. Want well, to thank you guys for joining us on this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the grave Digger. We want to thank Amber Rickard for raising her contribution. She is now going to be moved into a garden crypt, and in three months, she's going to get her HGB logo mug. And you guys can join Amber and the rest of our executive producers if you head over to the website, historyghostbump.com. There's a tab that is support the show, and that will guide you in how you can join the executive producers in the cemetery along with Mort by either using Patreon or PayPal, whichever's your preference. Everybody who signs up at a dollar above gets a sticker at $5 and above. You also get a magnet, and those magnets are the leftovers from our Christmas stuff that we send out to our executive producers. Also, you start getting bonus episodes at the $2 and above. You get one at two, you get two at three, and all of them at $5 and above, which sometimes ends up being five a month. This is true. And we are going to start running more ads in our episodes. So if you guys want to get rid of those, that's the way to do it. You will get a feed that will have not only the early release of the episodes, but you get them ad free as well. And at the $10 and above, you start getting logo gear like mugs and T-shirts.
0: Yep. We really couldn't produce this show without our executive producers. And it's a wonderful opportunity to enjoy even more content. Sweet dreams. did you get water on my screen it's not even facing you when you were drinking
1: how do you know it's my water because i'm drinking coffee oh (laughs) did you do some kind of boomerang action (laughs) i don't know I didn't you see me doing my little fountain interpretation and i was spewing it out of my mouth oh lord just don't get it on my laptop
0: (laughs) (laughs) tragedy struck when a lantern that a group of the formerly Dr. Finkel thinks the tablet has been misinterpreted. N- n- Mis- n- nis-
1: Ni- I, I can't. He didn't misinterpret that. <laughs> it's an M. Kelly. I know. You I said it right together. the first time. Mmm, like you're about to eat something really good, weirdo. <laughs> Riley, come here. <laughs> Riley, come here.
0: She's sassing you. Now she's gonna run into this door and start barking.
1: Hey, shush. American linguist Alan Walker Reed was the man to figure out where OK originated, and now you know. That's crazy. You were supposed to just end that with okay, okay. <laughs> the county had originally been home to the nap. Mad make tried na 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 na. I almost feel like we're those two characters on Sesame Street. Meneminent,
0: <laughs> 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 Or the aliens of what what, what? what did they do? <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 oh God!
0: Gurgles. Sorry. Did you hear that from there? <laughs> That's what the hell's in your throat? It's like the little alien that comes out of the mama aliens. Oh my
1: God. <laughs> <No>. I need <laughs> a flame girl in here. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's experienced throat gurgles. No, Kelly, you are the only person who's ever had a throat gurgle come out of your mouth. <laughs> you open your mouth to talk. <laughs> 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 aliens.
0: He learned the trade of hard- hardest. He learned the train. <laughs> The train of harder making. (laughs) The train of harness making. Ah.
1: The Hannah House was built in the Italianate... (laughs) (laughs) We are loopy this early in the morning. It's too early to record. Our voices are deep and husky. I know. Well, that's can't read. I have that problem and I obviously can't read. It's before 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Come on. When the Hannah House hosted the Indian Apple Indian, Indian Apple, <laughs> Apple? <laughs> what the hell and it only says Indiana I don't even know what I'm doing